finishing up habits of spiritual survival, and this isn't habits of spiritual thriving. These aren't bonus. These are the basics that every Christian needs to figure out, and we've been walking through that, and it may feel weird to you when we get into stewardship. As Pastor Rick said, again, it's not just money. I think some people, it's easy to write a check, but not to give their time and their talent. So stewardship, your time, talent, and treasure, but it's hard to avoid, even as I study it more, when it comes down to money. How does money make that list? And you may be thinking to yourself, and this is one of the knocks on the church, there they go, they just want my money, talking about money. It's so much more than that. Listen, God doesn't want your money. God doesn't need your money. God wants your heart. And your money and your heart are more connected than we want to admit. So we talk about money. But it's not about that. It's not about money. There are no supply chain issues in heaven. God's not, oh, I hope the offering at Redemption Chapel's good or else I'm in trouble. Gas prices. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And the biggest, particular in our culture, one of, if not the biggest competitor for your heart is money. Competitor for Almighty God is the Almighty Dollar, but it's also one of the clearest indicators and gauges for where our heart is really at. So that's why we talk about it, because God wants your heart. But the greatest competitor for that you see here in this verse, Matthew six twenty four: No one can serve two masters, for he, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Church, listen, you cannot serve God and money. This is unique in scripture that God puts himself in direct competition with something. And if you think he would, what would you have guessed before this, right? Well, God and Satan, that's the bad guy. The primary competition that Jesus throws himself up against is money. In premarital counseling, I remember Zach Durr teaching us, and it's not just, you know, right? That's one of the biggest things people fight about. So he's like, you need to understand this in money. It's not just about money. Money means something to everybody, and it can mean different things. For some people, money is power. Some, some people, it's freedom to live your life. Some people, it's security. You feel secure if you have money. Some people, it's your identity, hope. Look at that list. Security, identity, freedom, power. Ultimately, where should we get these from? God. And the primary competitor of something being God in your life, I don't know that we're in danger of worshiping Satan, it is money. So we have to deal with that. It is one of the primary competitors, but also it is one of the clearest gauges and indicators of our heart. You got any organization, they could say whatever they want. Here's our values. Show me your budget. I'll tell you what you value. You can say, oh, I love Jesus. Does your budget reflect that? You're like, mine's business. I love Jesus. That's where the rubber meets the road, right? <laughs> to illustrate this, one of the pastors on staff, I don't want to tell you who it is. It's not me or Rick. It's Austin, Pastor Austin. <laughs> he is the greatest hype man for whatever sports team he's following. I mean, he is the most blindly optimistic. If you were ask him today who's winning the Super Bowl, Browns winning the Super Bowl. They're going to, you know, lose one more game. No, they're going to go undefeated. Who's winning the MVP? Case Keenum, baby, the GOAT. Like, blindly optimistic, and I think he really believes it. Do you want to know? <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be that funny, but you know, a little bit, right? How do I find out? What do we say to people to find out what they really believe? 
don't you put your money where your mouth is? And so we don't gamble because we're pastors. We sanctified gamble. We wager Chick-fil-A, you know. It's not real game. It's the Lord's gambling, Chick-fil-A, right? So here's what we do in Austin. Man, I don't, the Browns ain't going to lose another game. I'm like, you believe that? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you can buy me Chick-fil-A if they lose? He's like, hmm. Because that money tells us what we really believe. Far more than what we say, that's why we do stewardship. Because stewardship is lordship lived out. That's what, stu- that's what lordship looks like. So we're going to dive in. And what I want to do is I want to explain stewardship. I want to encourage you to stewardship. But also equip you, equip ourselves to live stewardship out. So in explaining it, to grasp it, to live it out. There's a foundational principle that all of us need to grasp. You see it played out in this verse. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are all mine. If you want to be a good steward, understand every penny in this earth, every penny in your account, every dollar in your paycheck, whose is it? God's. So to be a steward, it's to understand God is the owner of all things. I'll help kind of clarify this, right? You know, some of you rent right now. That's totally fine. This isn't meant to be judgment. So, you know, there's renters. Raise your hand if you own your home. No, you don't. Who owns that home? The bank does. Am I wrong? Tony Evans did that. That's good. Yeah. Right? That's the problem where we don't become stewards. We fool ourselves. This is my house. We fool ourselves. Yeah, all that's in this wallet, that's my money. It's not. It's his money. And we fool ourselves thinking, oh, no, it's mine. <laughs> Last time I preached, it was kind of fun. I was walking off stage, walking back that way. Somebody caught me about halfway up, his bearded dude. He's like, you remember me? I'm like, no. <laughs> Should I? And the next lie, it was so funny. He's like, when I was in seventh grade, you almost kicked me off a mission trip. <laughs> it was one of my former students. When I used to do middle school ministry, I'm like, did you deserve it? You know? He's like, yeah, I was a punk. <laughs> so, all right, we're good then. So we tell this story because now he's in law school. So there's like, a separate bonus for parents. If your kid's in middle school right now and you want to throw them out of a church van, they might turn out. I don't know. That's like a bonus lesson. That's not even about stewardship. That's beautiful. The Lord, he works, right? So the reason I tell you that story he's in, copyright law. It's interesting. We were talking about it, right? So what do we all know? The creator of something has rights to it. When you trademark something, nobody else can legally benefit from it. That's your creation. It's yours. You have say over its use without the express written consent. No one, right? God has copyrights. He has rights on our lives. He has the right to all of it. He is the rightful owner of all things. And we got to wrap our heads around that. And you say, yeah, God created me. But I work hard for this money. It's my money. I work hard for the money. So, right? This is my money. I work for this. I put it. That's cute. Look at this verse. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Yeah, you shall remember that the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the 
power to get wealth. It's all his. So to understand stewardship, to understand who's the owner and who is the manager. Look at this verse. And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? We're not owners, we're managers. Church, we're not owners, say it with me, we're managers. That is what it means to be a steward, to realize everything, time, talent, and treasure is his. I'm just called to manage it. You see that, this parable that comes out of, God didn't give you all that just so you can take it. God gives us resources so we can finance the kingdom. Now, obviously, it's a stipend too. God gives it to us to live off ourselves. When you go on a business trip, they cover your expenses. That's a part of it. But we are managers. It's not our money. And we need to wrap our heads around that. We are not owners. We're managers of everything we have, our life and even our capacity to generate wealth. So that's to understand it. But I also want to spend a lot of time encouraging us to that. Because I think it's easy enough to say, right? If I were to ask everybody here, you know, on the way out, you know, whose who's stuff is it? Is everything God's? I think everybody would probably say yes. So I think we need more to, like, encourage us to actually live like this. We're going to spend a fair bit of time, and I'm just going to go through some biblical principles so you can get to that place. Remember, it's not about money. It's about your heart. My hope for this time is that God is the master of everything you have. Not, you need to give more. You need to do this. That's not the gig. I want you to serve God with all that you are. And more than just lip service, I want you to live out lordship through stewardship. So we're going to walk through this. So first principle, I think, is just understanding this. You're a manager, so I encourage you to live it out. It's all his anyway. And I just want to make a point with that real quick to just show you how this feels different once we wrap our head around us. This is $100. It's a real $100, which is a lot of money to me, so I'm nervous right now. But watch, let me illustrate how easy it is when stewardship is in play. Jason, can you come here for a second? You can pick, on your way back to your seat, give that 100 bucks to somebody out there. Just get out of this somebody. That was easy enough, right? All right, Jason, give me 100 bucks. Do you see how that feels different? How easy was that for me when I give church's money to Jason and he walks it over? Sure, it ain't my money. I don't care. You want me? I'm, here, you can have it. Jason, give me some of your money. Ooh. <laughs> my kids, they got to learn this lesson, right? I mean, every time, you know, I buy my kids some fries, I'm going to take a couple of them fries, right? You know? <laughs> And what happens every time I know it's annoying, they're like, oh, I'm like, excuse me. Did you buy them fries? Who done pay for them fries? They ain't your fries. I'm graciously allowing you to consume a few of them. If I want to, I'll dump them fries in the river because they ain't my fries because I done paid for them fries. But every time, right, they're like, oh, I'm like, you, you must not. That's fun. It is funny. And then when God calls you to give, what do you do? Mm. This is mine. No, it ain't. Once we get to that place, it's not your money. It's easy. 
I actually, Rick gave me the green light. You can have that 100 bucks. That's legit. That's the church's, he's like, model generosity. So you do whatever you want. That's your $100. It's all God's money anyway. Take it, enjoy it. I hope it's a blessing. That's fun, right? To bless people. I want to do that. It's all his anyway. Secondly, to help us live that out. I'm not kidding. You can just keep it. It's yours. Understand that you're going to give an account. Look at this verse. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. You see this over and over? This is the picture of scripture. God gave them a garden. Whose garden is it? God's, right? They manage it. God gives us resources. Whose are they? But at the end of every parable, what always happens, God comes back and says, all right, let's settle accounts. Do you understand? You're going to square up with God. Like, it's interesting. This is where it's such a gauge there are things, man, close friends as a pastor, I've known people's kind of deepest, darkest, most shameful secrets of how they've been abused. Maybe they've abused other people. Some of the worst things, you know what I almost don't know about anybody? How much they make. That's hands off, whoa. Howard Stern, right, most famous. Where the dude will say anything. Wanted to get in politics. I just heard this this week, found out, but if he gets in politics, his taxes become public. He backed out because he would say anything, but when people find out where his money goes, that's too vulnerable. But here's the thing. Stop fooling yourself that you can keep this hidden. The motivations of your heart, and you're gonna square up. God says at the end of your life, and you're gonna say before judgment, I give you all this money. Let's kind of go through your statements. Kind of how did you use these resources that I gave you? And he's gonna be like, dang, you like coffee. Wow. Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. I'm like, I'm sorry, I thought it was the Lord's chicken. I thought that was okay, my bad. I... When we square up, look, you are, when you're gonna stand before God, he's gonna go through all our bank statements and gonna go, what? Hey, was that, was that the best use of kingdom resources? And I don't mean to push guilt, but I want us to be honest. Wow, am I really a steward? And I was asking another question, you are. But am I a good, faithful steward living my resources out with his values where he has full and final say? So understand you're going to give an account, but also understand how much we live for money, how foolish it is to serve money. Look at this famous parable. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones and there I'll store all my grain and my goods and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for yourself for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you good American. You fool. Look at that picture. What is that a picture of? Is that not the American dream? Is that not paint by number the American dream? Work hard. We don't, we don't just buy a home. What do we buy? We buy a starter home. And then, man, we get some, we buy a bigger home. And then we can save up so much so then we can have this just pile of money to live the good life. What does God say about the American dream that we're fed? Foolish. What a waste. We're called to be stewards for his kingdom and we're living for retirement when my hip don't even work anyway. I can't even enjoy life, right? Like how foolish is it? That's where money's a bad master. 
So to serve the almighty dollar as opposed to almighty God, it's foolish. I want to unpack that a little bit more of how foolish it is to serve money over God. Let's look at some of the other things that scripture says about serving money. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I'll do it again. One's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now here we are in America, like the hottest capitalistic engine that has ever existed. One more time for us good Americans, right? Life does not consist the abundance of possessions. Part of why I want you to serve money is it doesn't fulfill. Things do not satisfy. That next trip to Target to get what you want, getting that next iPhone, getting that boat, getting that new car doesn't ultimately satisfy. It says, right, moth and rust. It's a bad investment. It instantly will decay and it won't satisfy you. But here we live in America, that covetousness. We have perfected discontentment. And that's what a commercial is. It's a covet machine. All day we're bombarded. How can you live? You only have an iPhone 10. How do you live? Look, this one has 17 cameras. You only have three. Right? We're bombarded with we are not satisfied. Look what you drive. That new car smell doesn't last. I promise you, especially if you let me in that bad boy, my buddy bought a new car. It was like after like two hours of playing pickleball and we were all nasty. And so we load in the car. My buddy's like, man, I love the new car smell. Let me smell it. And he's like, that don't smell like a new car no more. It doesn't last. It doesn't satisfy. And here's the hard part. We all know this. Again, if I were to ask everybody on the way out, do things make you happy? Oh, no. Are you pursuing things for your happiness? Oh, yes. We got to get that. Okay, that doesn't satisfy. It's foolish because it doesn't satisfy and it doesn't last. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. It doesn't satisfy and we also know it doesn't last. The key is to be content with what God has you. Some people are wealthy, some people have less. It's to be content because things don't make us happy. We know this. I love this quote, really drives this home that it doesn't last. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You can't take it with you. The Egyptians tried it and all they got was robbed. It doesn't leave this world. I've heard other people say it, but when you get a chance to quote Denzel, you quote Denzel, you know? <laughs> King Kong got nothing on me, you know, right? So get the idea. That's silly. <laughs> right? Think about it if you're not kind of laughing yet. You can't take it with you. We spend all this time, that's the foolishness of it. You build all these bigger barns for what? To show you, man, of generosity and stewardship. I gave away 100 and I debated on doing this, but I want to rip up a $100 bill to show you it doesn't matter. It's not that important. Boom, right? Did I get you? Some of you thought, you're going to do it, Andy. And then you got this one. Oh, that's Monopoly money. There's a great thing that somebody did once, and he 
talk about stewardship, said, look, it all goes back in the box. Well, it doesn't count. It's monopoly money. What is it? Monopoly money, for a very limited time, gives you buying power. You can buy hotels. You can buy a whole boardwalk with that, right? Gives you buying power for a limited time. The second the game's over, it is utterly useless. Is it that different than money? Give you some buying power. You can use it for good, for wrong. But then it all goes back in the box. You can't take it with you. So to be a good steward, again, is to say, God, all this is yours. What do you, what do you want to do with it? And I'm not going to get a ton into the tithes, right? Like that's a big part of it. God's calling us to be generous, to be kingdom-minded. And so one thing that people argue a lot is, okay, 10% is kind of the number. And then there's a big argument, does that happen? Does that still in play in the New Testament? There's a big scholars disagree. Here's why I think that's silly. If you want to argue that no way, it's got to be more than 10%, have at it. Now, if you're arguing, surely Jesus lowered the standard of how we should be. It's God, and you're trying to argue how you don't need to give that much, something's wrong. Jesus never lowered. You said, you know, you said murder. I say don't hate. You say 10%. I say all that business is his. What are you talking about? Well, it's still a good number. And a lot, of, a lot of people still use that 10% number to just remind myself out the rip that it's all his. And we, oh, oh. It's not about money. It's about an act of faith to give, to be generous. A lot of people do that. And I heard Andy Stanley do this. How does the world operate? We live, save, and then give if there's leftover. What is good stewardship? Give. Then save, be responsible, and then live off the rest. I talk about for some people, maybe you feel compelled. Man, I want to do that. I want to get to that 10%. And what do you say? No way. I mean, I could. There's no way. The numbers don't add up. I can't do it. So to encourage you to good stewardship, especially if you believe that lie, there's no way. Just too many bills. Look at this. And understand he will provide. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Here's what we do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I hope we're all convicted. because I think all of us at some point have been anxious and worried about money. Oh, I might lose. If money, again, this is why money's a bad master. If money is your security and your provider, you should be anxious because that, that business can come and go. If God's your provider, he's faithful. He can care for you. Question is, are you faithful or are we faithful to him? You talk about tithe, you know, it's easy math. So, I remember this. This helped me so much more, right? How much is 10% of 10? That's easy. One. Okay, but the Bible also talks about first fruits. So which should we give? The first one. To say, God, you're my provider. I trust you. And you give to him first. And trust, he'll provide. 
He can take care of you, I promise. Are you going to be faithful to him? To be that kind of people. And I want to encourage you with one more. And I love this verse, particularly about stewardship, right? It's all his. Let's be good stewards. Let's be faithful. And you're still, I imagine so many people in this place, I just can't. Like, I'm under what I'm supposed to give. How can I give like I already make less? And you're thinking there's no way this adds up. And I want to encourage you to this, to try it. Listen to this verse. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby, I love this, put me to the test. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I mean, this isn't prosperity gospel, but this is provision. God wants us to be generous. There is some reaping and sowing, right? Do you reap stinginess or do you reap generosity and sow generosity? Now, I hope this verse jumps out at you. Because didn't Jesus himself say, don't put the Lord to the test? And he says, test me. It's almost like he gave a special exemption. God, in fighting for our hearts, says, look, I know how powerful money has a hold on your heart. That's a bad master. I'm good, and I'm gracious, and I know it's hard for you. So why don't we go this way? Just try it. Just try it and see what happens. Do you know how many testimonies I have in my own life? Talk to somebody who was faithful to give to God what he called them to. I promise you, you will not hear regret. You will hear praise and thanks and story after story of God's glorious provision. And if you're not there to commit yet, try it. You gotta understand it's all his anyway. And we are going to give an account of how we use the resources, the time, talent, and treasure he's entrusted us to and to us and see how silly and foolish it is to serve money. Trust that he can provide. And at the very least, if you're not even there yet, I want you to try it. So how else do I want to equip you to do this. I want to encourage you to get to that place of stewardship, of manager, not owner, but I also want to kind of equip you to live that out. Because again, it's easy to say lordship, but lordship lived out is stewardship. So to actually live this out, and I feel bad at the end of the sermon, I'm going to say a dirty word, but I'm going to say the B word because it needs to be said. Budget. I'm sorry, I'm so, I know you don't like hearing it and it hits your ears hard, right? But I'm saying that you can have money and money not have you. How do you figure that out? You tell it where to go. See, we all have compassion to give, but we can't out-compassion our capacity. We don't even know what our capacity of half the time. We just spend when we want something. So God, again, that's just a faithful steward. Right? Imagine an owner of a company coming to the manager like, give me the books. How are we doing? You're like, I don't know. Are you in the red? There's a good chance. Look, if you want to be a servant of him where he's your master, then make money your slave. Tell it where to go. But we don't do that, and particularly when we don't budget. And I think a lot of times our heart's in the right place. 
You know, I want to give. And how many times do you hear in need or you come to church and you go to, you know, that your master money and say, oh, it's the give time, the online thing. Is it okay if we give? And then your master says, no, we're out of money. It's the end of the month. That's a good impression of money, isn't it? That's spot on. That's how money sounds all the time, right? No. <laughs> Tell me that's not how life works. Oh, all the bills. That's why you budget. Tell it where to go. And don't just live however you want and then give God the leftover. Give God the first fruits. And that's why debt is so dangerous. And I know we're so riddled with it as a society, but what does the Bible say about debt? So the lender is a slave to the borrower. This isn't sure about money, it's about mastery. So I want God to be your master, and it's hard when somebody else is master of your money, that's debt. So you can go on our website right now. This is a part of the equipping. If you go under resources and personal finance, well, First, I want to say that if you're not even close to, I don't even know how to budget, I'm so in debt, or I have a lot of money, I'm, I need help. We have FPU coming up in January. Sign up. We have a team of people to walk alongside you to help get your budget in line to be a faithful steward. So sign up on our events page for FPU. And that's for everybody. You don't even have to be, in, it's not like you have to be in a bad place to go. But also on there, under our resources page, personal finance, there's tools. Use those to track, to create a budget. The last thing I want to give to equip you is everybody today is getting one of these deeds. I, we. So if you're single or married, now transfer all possessions over to the Lord, the creator and rightful owner of all things. I want to give this to you. I really wrestled. So on this, do I put transfer the better word might just be acknowledge, right? It's all his, but we fool ourselves thinking it's ours. So I want to give you the opportunity, if you want to go on a great adventure with God, where you're kind of, you're one of his managers in his kingdom, I want to give you the opportunity to take one of these and to remind your own heart and sign it over to him. There will be one of those, you'll see them on the way out. You can grab them on the tables by each of these doors to give you that opportunity so just remind yourself, you're a manager, not an owner. He's the owner and sign it over. I would really encourage you. I got this idea. I heard Bill Bright talk about it, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. God has used him to bring millions of people into the kingdom. He himself said, I would not have gotten that vision for Campus for Crusade for Christ if I didn't deed my life over to him. He was taking that step he came from business. He didn't know what else to do, so he literally wrote up a contract and signed it. He said, all right, God, all I have is yours. It's yours anyway. Whatever you want. You want me to give to them? I'll give to them. You want me to go here? I'll go here. He lived that life. I want to encourage you not to just give more, but to go on a great adventure with God as your master and see what he does. That's why that vision came. The end of his life Dr. Bright's dying from an incurable disease. Goes to Mayo Clinic, goes to the best doctors in the world and says, we have nothing for you. Now see, at the end of his retirement, this is even before he got sick. Again, all of everything he had was God's and he feels God calling him to take all his retirement money to build a seminary in Russia. And he thought, oh, you were saving for retirement. No, that's actually for a seminary. 
in Russia. And he says, well, it's yours. I thought it was for retirement, but you say, they looked it up. The cost for that seminary to be built was the exact amount he had in his retirement. It's all his. So at his retirement, when he's got nothing to live off, he signs it over. Now at the very end of his life, when he's dying from an incurable disease, the best doctors in the world can't solve it. And somehow he gets connected with this doctor who gives home care to him and restores his life in a way that no one else could. You want to know where that doctor was from? The same place he planted the seminary. He says, I heard that. And he's in a tent just weeping. God's saying, I can provide if you trust me and you let go, I can provide and God can do amazing things through you and me if we just acknowledge it's not mine. I don't want you to just give more. You need to give more. I want you to go on a great adventure of generosity and watch what God does in your life. Is it not better to give than to receive? And here we are just hoarding. It's funny doing this sermon. I took my daughter out to Sweet Frog, and so I'm like, oh, let's practice this. So I give her 10 bucks, like, pay for the person behind us. And we're out, like, literally in the car, like, waiting for the next person to go through. She's giggling, laughing. She's like, oh, that was so fun. Isn't that who we want to be? Let's be those people instead of hoarding for ourselves. It's all his. When he says, give somebody 100 bucks, give him 100 bucks. When he says, give to me first, give to him first and watch what he does. We're managers. We're not owners. Let's live like that. Will you bow your heads and pray? Father, I confess how much I get anxious about money, that this might break down and I won't have enough. And I look to money to be my master, to provide for me. Father, forgive me, forgive us. You tell us not to be anxious about money. God, free us. And that horrible master that we would serve you, that we would trust that just like you provide for the birds of the air, how much more will you care for us and provide for us? Father, I want to go on that great adventure seeing your miraculous provision. God, please, would you move? We trust that you'll provide. In Jesus' name, amen.